Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Shibe Sports Presents. My name's Johnny Goodtimes. I'm Reef. And uh, we are thrilled to be with you here on our annual Jackie Robinson celebration. Um, we started yesterday. want to remind everybody that anything you purchase from the store between now and Sunday, going to be 30% uh, of that is going to go toward the Anderson Monarch baseball program. They are running a series of summer camps uh, for uh for kids all across the city, uh, North Philly, uh, South Philly, Kensington, uh, going to be running a bunch of summer camps this summer. And you're, you're by buying something from Shibe, you're going to be helping to send a kid to one of these baseball camps. These uh, these gentlemen do such a, a wonderful job. Um, we've got both uh, Amos Huron here from the Anderson Monarchs. Uh, we've also got Andre Butler, who's a, a Monarch alum and uh, who is currently an assistant coach at Swarthmore. And uh, gentlemen, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on, guys. Thanks, Great Rodney. to be here. Thanks for having us on. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, um, be before we before you jump in, Johnny, just let me uh, say thank you to you guys as well, not just for having us on, but Scheib is such a huge supporter of, of the Monarchs, of, of youth baseball in Philadelphia in general, and just your generosity and your platform is awesome. So thank you guys for sharing that. Appreciate Absolutely. Thank you. Um, yeah. So I, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about um, what you guys have going on. We had, we had Steve and a couple of former players on a year ago at this time. And obviously it's been the wildest year of any of our lives. Um, just kind of wanted to check in first and see how the program has responded to the challenges faced by COVID and, and, and how things are looking moving forward now that hopefully we're starting to come out of this. Sure, I can I can speak to that a little bit. Um, it has been a heck of a year, that is for sure. Um, and we're pretty proud of the way that we as an organization and, and really by extension, just our players and their families have dealt with this year. Um, you've had every imaginable obstacle thrown at, at young people um, from school shutting down to, you know, just witnessing uh, just horrendous traumas on television. It seems like on a weekly, if not nightly basis, um, to obviously, you know, just living in sort of a constant state of, if not fear, definitely anxiety around health and safety issues, especially for a lot of the kids we work with who are in communities that have been, you know, just devastated by, by COVID. Um, so as, as someone who's in sort of, you know, a leadership position, I've just been taking my inspiration and my motivation from, from the young people that we work with who have stayed so strong, so positive, um, and just so committed to, to doing, doing the work. Um, we, switched to doing a lot of virtual stuff when that was a requirement. And um, I think we did it pretty well. Uh, thanks to folks like Andre, thanks to just this, this network of supporters that we have who jumped in and said, hey, let me help out however I can. Let me talk to young people. Let me share my experiences. Let me you know, help them stay motivated. Um, and then uh, last summer and fall, we were able to get back in person. And let me tell you, uh, the the best practice I've ever been to was our first practice back last July, you know, just seeing the smiles on these, these kids' faces as they got to see one another. They got to throw a baseball around. Uh, they got to, you know, just sort of do what, what they love the most. Um, and so we have uh, pivoted pretty well. Um, at this point, we're, we're doing what we do. You know, there's, there's restrictions in terms of the numbers, and we obviously have to be very cognizant about all of our safety precautions. But um, at least with our baseball programs, Baseball is a sport that's kind of conducive to social distancing. So right. kids are playing, they're coming to practice, they are uh, 
engaging with one another, engaging with really positive adults. And um, it's, it's just a pleasure to be a part of. Uh, and to just, again, like I said, just be, be inspired by, by the kids and their families and just sort of the way they just have kept moving through all this. Yeah. Uh, Andre, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about your experience with the program, uh, obviously going back a few years. Um, wanted to know, you know, how did you find out about the Monarchs? Were you already a baseball fan or did they turn you on to baseball? Just kind of wanted to know a little background of how that all came together. Yeah. So uh, fortunate for me, it was like being in the right place at the right time. Um, I met Steve Bandora when I was like 12 maybe 11, which is considered relatively late, right? And this is part of our whole plan and process of like getting kids to play baseball at ages like six and seven, because that's when they're going to get the love for the game. Um, I was there with another team who had happened to be renting out the, the Monarchs uh, facility at the time. So it wasn't even with the Monarchs. And, you know, I was by no means the best player on my team. And for some reason, like I say for some reason, but I do know the reason, but like Steve, you know, reached out after practice and like let my mom know like, hey, like we want Andre to kind of come here and practice with us like, you know, two days a week or one day a week. And then it just kind of became the thing where like, and I'm from North Philly, but like it became the thing where like where my mom would have to put time into the schedule and say, look, I'm getting off of work at five, we're rushing home, be ready. We're going down the 17th and fifth quarter for practice at seven o'clock. And I remember at 12 years old, like, it's kind of like an embarrassing moment, but like it's a it's a realistic moment in like inner city baseball and lack of diversity. But like Steve Bandor was the first person that told me how to grip a baseball and at 12. Like I was holding the ball like this, you know what I mean? And we're just like a six year old. Like, yeah, that's OK. But like when you get to the ages of like you have starting to get some muscle definition a little bit and can control the ball, like you should be able to throw a four seam grip. And he saw me throwing. He's like. Yeah, that's not how you throw. But, un but right, but like understanding, like he's been working with so many kids on this, and to me, it's just kind of like it's why I continue to keep coming back because how can we help the next player not wait until he's twelve? You know, right. like how can we get that kid at at six and seven? And and that's been my full experience. And now it's I've been a college baseball coach for nine years, and now it's like hey, though I'm a college coach, like I can still find a way to give back, you know, to to areas that I've came from. So. Yeah, that was the question that I, I had wondered about. Why do, why do you feel like there's a lack of inner city baseball for kids of color? Like, is that by design or is it just something that uh, over the years kind of faded out? Because I remember, you know, back in the day, it was a huge part of our community and now it feels like it kind of died off, but it made seems like a little bit of a resurgence. I'll, I'll let you guys speak to that. It was. Yeah, it was a big part of the community. Like, even when I was young, like, we didn't know what we were doing, but, like, me and my brother would go play baseball in the driveway. Like, we would make up ghost runners and stuff like that, and, like, the kids around my area, like, they didn't know anything about baseball, too, but they're like, yeah, it's cool, it's different. Like, so what I'm getting at is naturally kids were outside playing more, um, so there was a chance to do more things, but, you know, if we look outside now, like, we just don't see kids playing, and same thing like us, like, our parents and grandparents, like, they were part of the generations that were outside playing and creating their own games. Now kids create their games on the internet. Right. You know, so, so it's like, I think a little bit is that, and obviously like the lack of, you know, just resources put into, you know, certain areas, you know, to start baseball, you see a lot of abandoned fields 
in inner city Philadelphia, and that's a part of it too. Yeah, I would chime in on that, Reef. You, you say is it by design, and I don't think there's some you know secret smoke-filled room of old evil guys saying, "Oh, let's not let baseball be accessible." But one of them will this, play. This, <laughs> I mean, yeah, but you know, this investment in cities is by design. You know, like systematic racism is by design, and all that sort of trickles down and we see the baseball impact of it. I mean, I'm sure if you had educators on here, they could talk about the education impact of that. If you had arts, you know, practitioners, your practitioners of the arts yourself, they could talk about how the arts have been systematically disfunded in, in schools and, and urban areas that predominantly serve, you know, black and brown communities. So, so is it like purposeful, purposeful? No, but you know, racism in America is racism in America. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. And I think, you know, for me, like, I, I think that, um, you know, one of the roles that myself and then guys like Steve Bandora and, and others can play in the sport of baseball is being that white guy who's like, hey, guys, part of the reason that this exists is because of us, you know, like, it didn't, it doesn't just happen, right? Like, um, you know, people who look like me have made decisions along the lines that affect communities filled with people who look like Andre, and it's sort of like, that's, that's reality. We, we need to acknowledge that before being able to take steps to to fix it. Andre, I'm wondering your, uh, what was the impact of baseball on your life? I mean, you, you know, you say that you were 11 or 12 before you found it. Was there a, a profound impact from the sport and was there a profound impact from this program in, in, in particular? Oh, it was, it was a major impact. I mean, it got me, like I was like, like there weren't many like standards for me growing up besides like, look, don't get in trouble. You know, and I was fortunate to, like, my mom sent us to Catholic school. Like, I went to Roman Catholic. So it was like, look, if you don't want to do your work, you're going to the public school around the corner. So, like, that was the standard, you know, and it was just different times. So, but baseball allowed me to use it as a platform to kind of be amongst people who were different than me. And I think that's what America's struggling with right now. You know what I mean? Like, I can't tell you how many white friends that I've had since the age of 13. You know, and and then going to college, I went to Eastern University, which is just in St. David's, PA. But like to me, that was like going three hours away. I'm right. up there, like, oh, y'all got trees up here. Like, man, why is it so green? Like, it's, it was just different. And I think when I when I went away to college, it like obviously it, it, baseball was a big part of it. But it was baseball was the reason that got me to say, look, start looking at the world completely different. Like going to travel, I've coached in Cuba, I've coached in Dominican Republic, I've coached, obviously, you know, West Coast and stuff. Like some of the traveling that I've done because of the game, I mean, like, I would have never gotten here if it wasn't for, you know, baseball, you know, so it's been pretty cool. Where do you see the game going um, in, in as far as, uh, you know, it seems like, it's it's bigger than it's really ever been. Do you feel like that's going to continue, or do you feel like changes need to be made to to kind of broaden it, or or is it isn't it in a good place right now? Uh, I think it's it's weird. It's like one of those things where like you got to celebrate the small victories, but I feel like those small victories just aren't enough because we're still at the tip of the iceberg of falling off the wrong way. And you know, in the sport of baseball, like you're seeing a lot of like Latin players, you know, like take over the game as they always have. And that's great. You know, a lot of them, like 
like when I went over to Cuba and coached, I was like, oh wow, like I see why y'all ball hard. Like I see why. Like it's a different type of of lifestyle. But their love for the game is to to make it for their whole families in a different way than us. Um, so they're always going to be there. Um, but us as like the black Americans, like I do feel like we're still flirting a fine line of like falling off. You know, um, I think Chicago does a great job of, you know, they have so many programs like Chicago compared to like Philadelphia. And that's our process now with the Monarchs is like, we're trying to get to the point where we have everyone bought into like what we're trying to do with inner city baseball. Chicago's there for a city that has so many violence and murders and stuff like that. Like you look on Instagram and every program in Chicago, their kids are, are, are going places because there's resources. Curtis Granderson built a stadium at University of Illinois, Chicago. He's from Chicago. Um, so there's people like that. Now on the Philly side, it's like, okay, hey, who's going to come build a field right here in Philadelphia? You know what I mean? So that's where it's yeah. like, I, I look at them as being like, all right, Y'all have done something cool. How can we do something, you know, pretty similar, really? Yeah, and and do you guys think that the local, um, both the corporate community and also the Phillies in particular, uh, have a responsibility um, to get involved or to be a part of the process of sending the sport of baseball out to, um, you know, communities that, traditionally and especially in the last few decades simply haven't had it. I'll chime in on this. So I think there is um, something of a moral imperative, right? I mean, we want our corporate citizens in any city, you want them to be good partners. And, and I think there's sort of a moral obligation, but I also understand it's kind of tough to make, uh, you know, to, to use morality as a reason to convince a corporation to do anything, right? They, they are in it to make money. The argument that I would make is that whether it's the Phillies or Major League Baseball as a whole, um, you know, if they want to be relevant, especially relevant in America, like you need to have black kids interested in your sport. Like, let's just be honest about who sort of drives popular culture in America. Um, right. You know, let's look at look at the look at the pop music charts and who's buying what. And, and you know, like it's been that way since I was a kid, you know, like it's sort of like. What, what's cool um right now baseball is not cool um there are guys who play baseball who are cool and if you know baseball you know tim anderson you know you know juan soto you know these guys right but they don't permeate the the culture the way that basketball players uh football players and, and of course internationally like soccer players do um and so baseball i think is like baseball used to be number one and then you know when i was growing up it was sort of like baseball football basketball now i would say at least from a youth level, like basketball and football are clearly more popular than baseball among the kids we work with. I think that more kids in our program are familiar or passionate about like EPL soccer than they are about major league baseball, quite honestly. Um, like, <laughs> you know, with, with a few exceptions, there's not a lot of players on the Phillies that kids growing up in South Philly know and recognize. So, while I think that, you know, I, I wish that we could tug at the heartstrings of, you know, Philly's ownership or, or their corporate sponsors, the more important message is if you guys want to be able to pass on a $5 billion industry to your kids and your grandkids, like, you need people to care. And, and they're caring less and less every year, unfortunately. Um, I think that baseball understands that and, and they're, you know, trying to promote 
players in different ways. They're trying to uh, shine light on different players, which is good. But um, the reality is if you don't play the game, you're not going to love the game. You know, if mm-hmm. you don't grow up right. understanding the nuances yep. of baseball, like it's not something you can turn on and, oh, wow, like, you know, he just threw down like a two-handed jam over a seven-footer. Like, you get that, right? Yeah, as a non-basketball cool. fan, you understand the like, appeal of that. But as a, if you're a non-baseball fan, like, I'm a baseball, I'm a huge baseball fan. And I, my eyes start to gloss over sometimes if I'm watching a game. So, if, you know, you can't expect people to take, consume your product if they don't understand your product. And you only really understand baseball by playing it. So they need to have more kids playing just to keep their product relevant. Right, right. Um, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I wonder in terms of why, uh, you know, maybe they don't get it. You know, why, how can the Phillies, um, you know, like how do they, they've always sort of had this problem. It's funny because we had an interview yesterday with a uh, gentleman who wrote a couple books about the Negro Leagues. He wrote a book about Roy Campanella and he talked about the Phillies had the option in 1942 of signing Roy Campanella, who was from Philadelphia. And if they had done so, would have been the first black ball player in the major leagues and would have changed the history of Philadelphia baseball forever. And it's funny because here we are 80 years later, and it still feels like the Phillies are behind the eight ball when it comes to this topic. Um, and, I'm, and I'm curious if either one of you guys um, have any sort of thoughts as to as to why that is, or even if that's the way that you feel about it. I think uh, um, baseball in general, like what you've seen, is people responding to issues going on in America, right? So you're seeing, you know, diversity and inclusion positions, right? Um, and I can speak on this personally because, and it wasn't the Phillies, but I won't say the program, but like they reached out to me about a diversity inclusion position for their major league team. Okay. So I'll say, cool, yeah, I'll interview, sure, that's fine. Like, I mean, this sounds great. You know, I love coaching, but yeah, this even sounds better. As I go through the interview process, some of the questions and some of the things that their HR program brought up or their HR staff brought up, I'm like, this doesn't even add up with with what you're asking of the position. You know, <laughs> so uh, it's, it's, it's almost like, hey, let's just create the position to say, yes, we stand up for blacks in America or let's do this. But we, we're not really trying to hire the right guy because, well, we'd rather want someone that has played pro ball or we'd rather want someone who's maybe i don't know someone that our staff already knows but wouldn't that be a position for someone who's kind of already has done it you know um so i I think a lot of times things are just for pr you know and it's not for the real right reasons so look there's somebody in every city i believe that you can hire to create a better connection with getting black kids to play the game, whether it's in Philadelphia, whether it's in Texas. It's just a matter of going after the right person to to really make change. And on top of that, paying that person uh an actual salary. Right. <laughs> because what they'll do is they'll try to they'll try to lowball and, and give you an intern position when you've been in the, the game for a decade. So that's speaking on my personal experience of how some teams in Major League Baseball, there's some other ones that are really good. Like, did you guys know that the diversity and inclusion position for um, the New York Mets is Donovan Mitchell Sr., which is Donovan Mitchell from the Utah Jazz's father? Oh, wow. 
No, no, right? No one ever knew. He's been in the front office for the New York Mets for a long time. He's a great guy. I've talked to him. He does outstanding stuff, and he's had that position for a couple of years now. So he's had it before we've seen people kneeling on folks' necks and stuff. So it, where you're seeing some people are responding to, to, to problems in America where some programs have already been there. And I think that's where we're starting to see this, the separator and all this in diversity. Sure. Right. And, and you got to hope that it's coming from a place of really wanting to be a part of the solution and not just a place that says, hey, let's throw $30,000 at somebody so we can say that we have this position. Right. You know? Exactly. Oh, about diversity. Look at this guy that is in this office, you know, like, and that's a really, that's maybe even more damaging than if you did nothing at a certain extent. Right. Right. Yeah. So I think, look, oh, go ahead. No, no. After you. I was just going to say, I think something to, that's important to remember, and it's a lesson I've sort of learned experientially uh, through, through some of our interaction with, with Major League Baseball. Major League Baseball is like, it's this huge corporate entity, but ultimately they work for the owners of these baseball franchises, not the other way around. And so it's, you know, each city is going to operate differently. Each city is going to have its own approach to these problems or these issues, and that's kind of dependent on who the ownership is, you know, and you've got some owners who are very progressive and some who aren't, some who see this, to your point, Johnny, some who see this as like a real thing that they can use their platform for and some who see it as like kind of a thing that's getting in the way of the important stuff and so they just need to find some some wallpaper. So, um, and, and that's, that's not speaking about, you know, I, I don't know our ownership group here in town well enough to make any comments one way or the other um but i think just across the board and you know across professional sports in general like these are you know they're corporations you know we we want to think of them as like our buddies down the street who are like you know (laughs) part of our community and that's how they want us to think of them too but like the phillies they don't live you know they don't live in in south philly you know (laughs) like um you know they're they they are a corporation so yeah yeah it's it's not the 1929 a's walking to the ballpark (laughs) (laughs) Um, I wanted to ask, uh, we, we had the pleasure of interviewing uh, the, the, the great young lady, Monet Davis, last year. I wanted to ask about how that whole, like her uh, her stardom and the Sports Illustrated, how did that change things for the program? And also, how are you guys able to, all the kids that we've spoken to, whether they're still playing, whether they've gone on like you to, to, to different positions, how do you guys instill that humility? Because we were so blown away by the fact that this girl was on the cover of Sports Illustrated and she was just talking to us like it was just like a normal thing, you know? I really respected that and I love that all the, the kids that seem to come through your program have that humility instilled in them. So how, how do you guys go about doing that? I, I'll speak a little to to that piece and then I'd be interested to hear Andre's perspective as someone who was a player and sort of an, and now was a coach and sort of able to see it from both perspectives but I, I started with the monarchs as a volunteer um in 2007 i just happened to move into a house so literally across the street from the baseball field um i am someone who you know grew, grew up in a household in, in dc where like our two religions outside of religion our two religions were, were baseball and civil rights my dad was a civil rights attorney so i was like i was familiar with all the issues right and then i see it all playing out in front of my house i couldn't not walk across the street and, and introduce myself um and Everywhere I went and every time I talked about the Monarchs or Steve Bender, anyone who knew anything about Steve was just like 
you know, singing the highest praises for him. Just what an amazing person he is. And he would never, ever say anything good about himself. <laughs> you know, like, um, and I think that he sort of creates that, you know, that, that culture, right. Of like, um, not that you don't celebrate yourself and not that you don't celebrate your successes, but that there's always more work to be done. Um, that your success is not just your success, that there are other people who helped you accomplish that success. And that, you know, part of your responsibility is to shine a light on them. Um, and yeah, and then just that the work is not done, you know, and I think that's something that when I first started volunteering, that was something that was very clear to me, like, okay, if I'm going to be a part of this, like, we don't brag about what we do, we just do it, you know. Um, since I came on in my current role as, as the executive director, I sort of feel like part of my job is to brag a little bit, because I'm like, dang, Steve, you've been doing this for like 25 years, 30 years, and you won't even like get out and toot your own horn. Fine. That's, if you're not comfortable with that, that's going to be my job. I'm going to do that for you. But um, I, I think that trickles down to the players, you know, and that they pick up on that. And like, no matter how much people say I'm doing great, like, A, there's more I can do. And B, like, it's not just me. I don't know. What do you think, Andre? Yeah, I agree. Like, if you look at um, like that whole team that Monet Davis played on, like one of the things that the format of the Monarchs is so great is that all the kids play on the same team every year, right? They're playing soccer, they're on that team, so they get to form a good relationship, and it's not like, yo, who are you? So whether they go to school together, whether they're on the same team, they formed a bond that, you know, Steve kind of created. So for years to come, it's always, all of them are very similar. They all have different personalities, but, like, when it comes to their accolades, they're very, very, like, modest and great kids. Like, even Mm -hmm. Steve's son, Scott, who's at Princeton. Right. And I remember Scott when, like, he he was so shy to talk. And mm-hmm. even as he got older, I was just, like, giving him so much credit for being good and, like, hitting the ball further. And he was just like, yeah, cool. Like, thanks. So I'm like, <laughs> and then I found out he's going to Princeton. I'm like, yo, man, that's awesome. He's like, yeah, cool. I just can't wait to get, get there. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm like, yo, it's pretty cool you're playing baseball at Princeton. Like, and, you know, we got players at Southern and, you know, players going to pit and like all of them have like that same kind of aura of like yeah like we just know that we kind of already knew that success was coming because we put the work in as well so Mm -hmm. i think for all of these young kids is it's not as much as a surprise to be honest either Mm -hmm. you know like once monet kind of became the face quote unquote they, they they were already in the spotlight so they really were used to it you know especially playing you know, in the Little League World Series. So that's kind of my take on it. And like I said, I just love the model of like keeping kids together because that's what team sports is about. Mm-hmm. You know, like occasionally you'll get a kid to switch and go somewhere else. But like, like if you keep kids together, they're going to do some great things. So, so that's really my take on it. Great work, man. Yeah. Um, a- a- Amos, I want you to talk a little bit about the program that you, that you guys have going on. Um, and uh, Andre, too. It's, I think Andre is actually a part of the, the program for the summer. Um, but yeah, if you guys could tell us a little bit more about, you know, what the sort of game plan is, what the summer camp that you all are, are putting together and, and what the goals are and and, you know, kind of the future of the Monarchs in general. You know, is this part of a larger growth that you're hoping for? Yeah, thanks for asking. Um, and it's funny, right before this, I was actually on, on a call with our, our friend Hanif Hill, who's up in Germantown, running a youth program up there, talking about this this idea. Um, one of the things that we 
sort of realized over the last year. And, and Johnny, you and I have actually had conversations about this, maybe not baseball specific, but um, one of the things that's become clear over the last year is like when push comes to shove, like all we got is us, right? You know, sort of that, that notion, like if we want to make change, like we have to make change. We can't sit around and wait for, again, wait for Major League Baseball to figure out how to do things exactly right or wait for the Phillies to figure out how to do things exactly correctly. Um, we have the people, we have the power, we've got the resources in place to, to do amazing things ourselves. So let's just get the ball rolling. So we, um, we start having some conversations, not just within our organization, within the Monarchs organization, but within like-minded groups around town. Um, there are a lot of people doing baseball in the city and a lot of people who are coming at baseball from the perspective of we need to reach more black and Latino kids. We need to make this sport accessible. We need to make it affordable. We need to make this everyone's game. Um, even in Philadelphia, you know, a, a majority minority city or whatever you might want to call it, um, in the Philadelphia Parks and Recreation Baseball League, which, which we have Monarchs teams in, we are consistently the only team that has, you know, players of color. Like, there's uh, our 12-year-old team is in the, the league this year. There are 14 teams, 13 from the Northeast, and us, right? <laughs> um, exactly. You know, like, baseball, even in a city like Philadelphia, like, is not welcoming to kids who don't look like, you know, the prototypical baseball player. And that's wrong and it's been that way for too long. And so we're like, all right, let's change that. So we're connecting with these other programs who might not be where we are because we've been doing it for 25 years, but who have the passion, who have the drive and who have community connections and want to want to build something. Um, so one idea that's come out of those conversations is doing a series of summer camps around the city of Philadelphia where we can take the game to kids in their neighborhood, right? It's not inaccessible. You don't have to get to the other side of the city. You don't have to get out to the suburbs. You've got to get to your local park. Um, and we're going to staff those with really high quality staff. Andre's going to, you know, bring his expertise to the table. We've got connections with, with other colleges around the city who always want to want to contribute and want to help out. Um, we want to get some college coaches out there. And we also want to use it as an opportunity to give coaches and you know older youth in communities an opportunity for some professional development an opportunity to be counselors an opportunity to learn themselves how to coach the game um do all that for free and so sort of the model in my head is you know uh where we'll be in north philly and we'll have you know the core group of kids from north philly and germantown but we're going to make sure that there's 10 anderson monarchs from south philly up there every day and the west philly philly a's are going to make sure 10 of their kids are out there every day and only baseball is going to make sure of their kids are out there every day so not just will kids be getting a really high quality free baseball experience we're also really going to be trying to be intentional about bridging some of the gaps that exist in our in our city that are both geographic racial economic you know all these things that divide us um baseball can be a tool that brings people together rather than dividing them um and so we, we really want to think about it from that perspective as well how do we get kids from different neighborhoods and adults from different neighborhoods acting, you know, interacting together on, on a common cause. Beautiful. Yeah, I think uh, and that's the thing. It's like when I was in college, I realized that I played with some kids from like some public schools who only played baseball in the spring, but they were good. Like like Frankfurt High School has a – they've always been really good. When I, I remember they would just run through the public league, but they never got a chance to play against like real competition. Like our catcher at Eastern where I went, he was very, very good. Had a great arm, could really hit. And like, but he went to Frankfurt and like Ramon Reyes is his name, but it's like 
there's nothing wrong with going to Frankfurt, but if he had like a camp to go to in the summertime and get a chance to play more consistently in his hometown, like who knows the potential that he could have could have made for himself. You know, so there's all these great players out there with great tools, but they got to go travel, you know, an hour away or, you know, it's not in their own neighborhood. Like we want to make it accessible to where it's there, whether you're a good player or you're not a good player, but at least you have the ability to reach your full potential. Just the the opportunity. Just need the opportunity. Right. Right. Yeah. And that's, you you know, it's, it's simple mathematics, honestly. It's like, Everyone, you know, what are all the reasons for why kids aren't playing and this and that? And how do we fix it? And every year around this time, people put out articles and thought pieces of why, you know, why is participation? My mindset is like, it's a funnel. And the more kids who are coming into the funnel at the beginning, the more will come out at the end, right? If you want 15% of, you know, players to be African-American in the majors, like you need a lot more playing when they're 10 years old. And, you know, you can't play if you can't find the game. There you go. Right, right. Well, we certainly appreciate both of you gentlemen. Um, thank you so much for uh, everything you're doing for the city. Uh, this is so important, not just from a sports perspective, obviously, but just from a social perspective. And just really uh, want to thank you guys for uh, all the hard work that uh, you put in and uh, all the hard work you're going to put in this summer. We really thank you. Truly, truly, truly great work. Guys. Continue it. You guys are changing a lot of lives for the better, man. Appreciate what you guys are doing for the city. Thank you, guys. Thank- yeah, thanks for the opportunity to come in and, and talk about it. And again, if you're listening or watching, go buy some stuff at Shad. Yeah, even if yeah, they work, yeah. even if even if they work giving enough money, I would tell you that. But <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right, but yeah, once again, folks, thirty uh, percent of uh, all sales now through Sunday going toward this summer camp uh, that Andre and Amos will be a part of. Um, and so, uh, yeah, if you want to buy something awesome and have the money go toward a great cause, this is the perfect weekend to do it. So, right. um, yeah, once again, care about the city or the kids. That's cool, too. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I uh, want to thank you guys again and uh, hope you all have a great weekend and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Later. Thanks, Thanks guys. guys.